Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 67 of the Command of Voice. Today, I speak with the owner of Papa's Apothecary. Please welcome Kevin Gilbert. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Camino Voice podcast, where I interview folks around Camino Island and beyond. If you want to stay up to date on events, businesses, and even hear a little history of this area, subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. Um, again, I just want to bring up Thank you, everyone, that's been listening. Um, I actually got my first email, woohoo, um, about the, from the, uh, for the Kamena Voice. So, again, that email, if you want to send me questions, comments, um, other interviewees, um, that email is voice at kamenocommons.com. So, send me an email. I'd love to hear from you guys. Um, so, anyways, uh, yeah, thank you, everyone, again, for sharing about the podcast. Um, again, if you can, share it with your friends. Uh, let them know about maybe a favorite episode that you have. Um, and uh, yeah, I really, really appreciate it, guys. All right. So this podcast, I got to speak with Kevin Gilbert, who, as I mentioned, was is the owner of Papa's Apothecary. Um, and I met him through the farmer's market um, here at the Camino Commons. So I got started talking with him and was really interested and fascinated by his products and how did he get started with it. So um, I asked him to come on the podcast to share his story. Uh, so we get to hear about, you know, what he started with, um, where, where did he grow up, uh, what did he do after high school, and how he eventually started Papa's Apothecary. Uh, he gets into a few of the uh, marketing mistakes and packaging errors he had in the beginning um, and how he's changed from that. And um, what some of his favorite products are, kind of what his process is for making new products, and also how to stay healthy, uh, especially during this time as we enter fall and winter, um, you know, flu season, cold season, all that. Um, so he has a few tips and tricks of things to, to do on a daily basis to stay healthy. Um, so anyways, without further ado, here's my conversation with Kevin Gilbert. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Command of Voice. Today, I'm here with the owner of Papa's Apothecary. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Kevin Gilbert. Thank you. All right. Before we get started, tell us a little bit about Kevin. Well, um, I'm 46 years old. I grew up in the Bothell area. My wife and I moved here to Camino Island, um, I guess, three years ago, three and a half years ago. Um, I'm an herbalist. I have a Bachelor of Science in Herbal Sciences from Bastyr University, um, and I love working as an herbalist. I love owning Papa's Apothecary. I love formulating products. I love bringing them to the market and, and uh, sharing them with, uh, with the people in this community and, and wider. Nice. Very cool. So you grew up in Bothell area. What was that like for you? Uh, it was great. I mean, I had a really, um, really good childhood. I have an older sister and a younger brother. Um, my parents are still together, and they just moved um, this last summer from Bothell up to Stanwood to be oh, nice. closer to us. So, oh, very uh, that's cool. really great. Um, yeah, I have I had uh, a lot of fun growing up. Um, I went to Bothell High School, graduated in 1992, and um, right after high school, I joined the Marines. So, okay, I enlisted uh, as an infantry Marine uh, for a little over four years, and. Um, Enjoyed that uh, a lot, I guess. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I think some of it is rose-colored glasses, where, where you look back on things that were um, 
not always great while you're there, but uh, the camaraderie and the, the relationships that I built and um, just the experience overall was it was a good experience. Yeah. So um, as far as getting into the Marine Corps, was that something that had been like in your family at all or what kind of led you to join them? Well, my dad, uh, my dad is a former Marine also. The biggest, um, I think, driving thing for me was that I knew I was done with school at the time. When high school was over, I was not interested in, in um, <laughs> continuing my education at that time. Yeah. Um, the military just seemed like a very, um, very attractive thing to me. And, and the Marine Corps, um, you know, is the best of the best. And I still believe that. And that's uh, my dad's influence. And then um, just from interacting with the, the recruiters and that kind of thing kind of solidified that for me. Yeah. Very cool. So you served for four years? Four years. I did a, a six-month extension uh, to stay with my same unit instead of switching units. So that's a, a thing. But yeah, four-year uh, uh, contract that I signed up for. Okay. Um, and then upon getting out of the Marine Corps, what did you do then? So while I was in the Marines, I met um, my wife. She's from, she's from the Juanita area. So she moved to California. We got married while I was in the Marines. Okay. And... Um, about six, eight months before I got out, we had our daughter. And we have one, one little girl, and that's, she's an adult now. But um, So we had our daughter. And so as my enlistment was wrapping up, uh, I decided rather than you know, going all over the world and dragging them, I would, I would get out and try, try my hand at the civilian, <laughs> civilian world again. Yeah. And I did a lot of different things. Um, I worked as a machinist apprentice for a little while, which... Uh, had some good benefits. It was a good union job, but it was not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it just didn't click for me. Uh, I worked in a computer store for a little while uh, while I was going to school in the evenings uh, at uh, Seattle Art Institute. So I did okay. a little bit of time at Seattle Art Institute in the multimedia program. Um, so was that focused on like marketing or like creating video? Or? That was more for video production and it had a, uh, I was very interested in video production. Um, the multimedia program had some of that, it had uh, like painting, it had a whole bunch of different um, parts to it. Nice. Uh, I didn't finish that program, that's just something I started and, and I think it just also wasn't exactly what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, but w- some of the tools that I took from there I, I can use today, I, I can use very, very uh, rudimentary Photoshop skills, <laughs> Illustrator skills, just things that I can kind of tinker with and have a very general understanding to use to help with my, uh, my marketing today. Yeah. Um, so I was working at the computer store, uh, and at that point, I ran back into a guy that I had gone to boot camp with um, that I met going to boot camp, and he was working at Microsoft. Okay. Um, and so he got me an interview as a contractor mm-hmm. at Microsoft, and I switched um, over, worked over there for about eight months as a contractor and was hired on full-time uh, and worked as a test engineer for 15 years almost. Wow. Uh, okay. With the contract time also. So it was almost 15 years at, wow. at Microsoft, which also was a wonderful um, – it had a wonderful benefits package for my family. It right. had a great paycheck. But also was not work that I had any interest in, really. Yeah. Um, so it was a. Uh, it seemed like a constant struggle to not get fired and not lose my job, find things that I that I enjoyed while I was uh, working there, and stay um, 
I guess stay like engaged with it. Yeah, stay engaged and stay competitive enough to be on par with my peers, so that I wouldn't just wash out, right? Like yeah. I was clinging to that um, for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that was just from your experience of working at the computer store that kind of got you enough experience to. So, starting as a test engineer was very, very, um, I guess, simple job, right? Okay. Can you can you check these boxes and make sure things are working right. And then from there, you have to grow into um, other positions. Um, but for starting as an entry-level test, test, uh, tester, yeah. um, as a contractor, was not difficult then, I guess. Okay. Or <laughs> maybe, um, I guess there were let more people in than, than, <laughs> than they weren't. <laughs> okay, very cool. Um, so you were over at Microsoft then. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that, so you kept kind of, staying on board and everything. Um, what kind of prompted you to leave and, and how did that all come about? So uh, my grandpa was my papa and that's who why I named Papa's Apothecary uh, that name. It was mm. after him. Uh, in his later years, his last couple years of, of his life, he was pretty sick. Uh, and I spent more time with him then than I had in, you know, previous years. Other than when we were um, kids, we'd go sit, visit every every summer or every other summer. Um, yeah, they lived in Texas, uh, and that spending that time with him just convinced me to do something that I was uh, passionate about. Do something with my life and my career where I'm spending all this time. Why not do something you like? Yeah. Why not do something you love? I also um, I believe that his health would have been. Uh, his quality of life would have been better if he had access to maybe some plant-based medicines. Um, so I was very interested in learning more about plant-based medicine, um, which led me to Bastyr. Okay. Um, and so <laughs> the whole time I met at Microsoft, I had never gone to school. I never went back to college. Okay. So while I was there, I started night school working on my associates um, with the plan to transfer over to Bastyr uh, at some point. Yeah. So uh, going back just a little bit, um, what made you think at the time with your um, grandpa that specifically plant-based medicines might be able to assist them? Like, did someone talk to you about that or? Well, it was, it's more of the um, a cannabis. He had cancer and Texas was not a legal state, still isn't as far as I know. Oh, okay. And I believe that cannabis use for him and for people in his state and his condition, um, would be beneficial. Yeah. But it's very difficult, and it, it was very difficult to really find any studies that that showed specifically one way or another. So that kind of led me to Bastyr, where um, I knew that it wouldn't be a jump. Okay, you're, you're, you're starting here, and, and when you graduate, you'll be working with a team of doctors, and we'll be doing these, these researches. I didn't, I didn't think that was the, the path, but I, I knew that getting involved with um, research in some some fashion mm-hmm. could could get me there. Yeah, and it was uh, just where I thought the best place to start was. Yeah. Um, so as I made my way through Bastyr, which is a it's a two year bachelor's program, um, and I was very ignorant about herbs, um, how much herbs can do for us, the variety of of different herbs and all the constituents and all the actions that they have on the body. Just I just didn't know. Um, 
And as I went through, I fell in love with formulating products for people to use. And that's kind of where, what led me to, to starting Pop as Apothecary. Um, likely I could get a job in a lab with one of the larger um, herbal companies doing quality assurance, doing, um, working with, uh, making sure that they're getting what they need. But I didn't want to corner myself again and be in another lab or another <laughs> big company that yeah. um, I just didn't have any say in what I was doing. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, so <clears throat> was it, so you graduated from Bastyr. How long from that graduation did it take you, kind of what happened after that? Is that did you immediately decide, like, this is what I want to do, or how did that kind of evolve? So in the last, I guess the last... Um, months of school is when I was like, okay, this is, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to take this thing. So I started putting together um, my product list, a short product list, what I wanted to make, um, researching how do I get these to the market. I mean, I can start a website, mm -hmm. but <laughs> there's billions of websites, right? How, yeah. do I, how do I make this something that um, not only do I love making these things, but how do I get them out there? And it looked like farmer's markets were a great... Um, place to either start or, or be. Uh, and so I did one market at a, a place called Trilogy. It's like a, not a retirement community, but it's a, it's kind of a gated community down in, in the Redmond area. Uh, so that was like kind of our first small market thing. Uh, we then got uh, into the Everett Farmers Market for the last five or six of, um, of that season. Okay. And I think it was kind of a fluke because where our labels are and where our signage is today is much different than where it was when we started. Uh, when we started, everything had my grandpa's face front and center and Papa's apothecary and uh, was on the front and um, all the labels were craft brown with black letters. Okay. And so this just looked like men's products across the board. No matter what the label says, you see the f picture of his face and it's a... A guy's product. So I was, I just found that I was telling people that would say, hey, let me bring my husband back, that they, yeah. <laughs> they didn't have to, right. right? It's not just for their husband. So that was um, just something we had to adjust right off, right off the bat. But, yeah. yeah. Okay. So then how did those first few markets go then? You, you finally mix some product together, you get to market. How did that go? Well, um, they were kind of weird. I mean, it's strange. I had never been a big farmer's market um, attendee, I guess. Okay. I didn't, I didn't go to a lot of markets, maybe two or three before this. So it was a big learning, learning curve to figure out how the markets work and what, you know, you got neighbors on both sides of you that were selling something completely different. Uh -huh. Um, <laughs> so I guess I would say it was fun enough and, uh, profitable enough to keep going and to figure out how to, how to make it work, uh, better for us, how to yep. adapt. Um, that first year we just did, the Ever Market those times, and then uh, one or two other one-offs. Okay. Uh, but this year we we do six markets a week. Uh, some weeks, so most weeks it's five, but some weeks we'll pick up six. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, and they're all dying dying off now, right? The the season's kind of coming to an end. But yeah, um, yeah, it's a so it's changed a lot. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So when. Um, after you, when you did those first markets, were you still working at Microsoft then? No. So once I, um, started school at Bastyr, maybe a little bit before then, before I was enrolled at Bastyr, I had, mm -hmm. I had, I left Microsoft. Um, okay. 
the program best year is is full time. Uh, Got it. Monday through Friday, right? Um, so there wouldn't have been opportunities to to do both. Right. Okay. So then, when and um, uh, when did you graduate from best year? Uh, Two thousand seventeen. Okay. Nice. And I would recommend uh, to anyone that has any interest in in herbal sciences, in naturopathic medicine, acupuncture, uh, any of the holistic type of, of uh, practices, yeah. check out Bastyr. They do a lot of um, informationals. Uh, it was one of the most fun experiences I've had had as, as an adult, is going to school Bastyr. It was, it was great. Uh, the people that I went with, my cohorts, there were, there were 12 of us, so it was a small group. Mm-hmm. Um, but just a wonderful group of people that, that made the experience... Um, that much better. Yeah. Very cool. So, um, so when it comes to like, um, apothecary and an herbalist and, and all these different levels, um, you know, there's naturopaths, there's, um, holistic, you know, of different levels, there's chiropractor, there's all these different levels. Where does apothecary kind of fit into that? And how does it kind of differ from like, say, um, you know, essential oils are becoming a main, very mainstream thing, right? Sure. Things like that. How do those all blend together? So apothecary means, um, it's like a wellness center. It's a pharmacy, old term for a pharmacy, basically. Okay. Um, and as an herbalist, I use whole herbs. I use essential oils um, to create our products. Uh, a naturopathic doctor can rely on an herbalist to help uh, support their, their practice. Uh, they generally know a lot about herbs themselves. They can also prescribe medications. So the naturopathic doctor... I always recommend people, if they can, see a naturopath. Mm-hmm. Uh, naturopaths generally, at least coming out of Bastyr, are trained to treat the person, not the disease. So everything they'll do for you will help you become a more healthy person. It's not just going to give you a, a one medicine to treat one symptom, which may <laughs> cause other things to, to occur. Right. Um, yeah, so... I'm not sure. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, that, that's good. So as far as with what you do then, do you mainly, I mean, I know you, you run Papa's Apothecary and you're mainly focused on that aspect. Um, but when you're talking like at the farmer's market and stuff with people, um, what's kind of your approach if, if people are coming up and they're asking, you know, like, you know, we're coming into flu season mm-hmm. here. What do you suggest and how do you, you know, what do you do, I guess? To get sure. Ready for that? So, so for myself, for flu, flu season, uh, I make elderberry syrup um, almost year-round anyways, but elderberry syrup is super easy to make. You can get elderberries. Um, if, if you don't want to make your own, you can get syrups that are pre-made at like Urban Wellness or even uh, some of the local drugstores may have uh, an elderberry syrup. Um, but it's really easy to make. You take the elderberries, you, you basically simmer them down by half. You, so you, if you have two cups of water, you simmer that down to one while you're... Um, not boiling, but almost boiling the, the elderberries. And then mm-hmm. you strain them out and you can add honey or cinnamon. Very simple. And you, you drink just a little bit of that, a tablespoon or two a day. Okay. Um, helps keep the immune system in check. Uh, we do have a product called Boost My Immunity okay. that is a roll-on. And that's um, based on the Legend of the Thieves blend, which uh, the Thieves blend is the Legend of the Thieves um, comes from the time of the plague. Um, the grave robbers would soak their, their bandanas, their masks, in a uh, vinegar and herbal extract, basically, to cover the scent that they were um, experiencing while they're doing ra- grave okay. robbing. 
Um, unbeknownst to them, they're creating an antibacterial, antiviral, antimicrobial block that helps them uh, not succumb to the to the plague as much as, as everyone else. Wow. Okay. Um, and so we have a roll-on that contains some rosemary, clove, thyme, oregano, um, essential oils in a carrier, and uh, that just helps keep the system um, in, ch- in check there. Yeah. So then as far as the difference with... Um external versus internal use. What would make you decide that like an external use would be better versus an internal use? For, um, it just depends on what, what the ailment is, I guess. Um, so for internal, it's, uh, essential oils are becoming more popular Mm -hmm. and there is, uh, it seems to be, um, some people are ingesting them. And this is a no-no across the board. So <laughs> essential oils, never internal. Uh, there may be a few um, outliers or corner cases, or if you're working with a, a naturopath or an herbalist that knows what they're doing, then, then um, and only then. Yes. Um, so never internal for essential oils. Uh, for topicals, uh, yeah, it just depends on what the, what the ailment is, I guess, what you're, what you're trying to help. Yeah. Okay. Um, so then with, with kind of, with creating your, your own products, what were you kind of going for with each one? And then how, um, like apart, you kind of look at the market and see what other companies and stuff like that are doing. Um, how did you kind of design the products that you created? So the things that we've created mostly have been things that we have wanted or needed, uh, or people that we know have, have needed, um, First product we created was our, our sleep oil, our Sandman's Gift sleep oil, which is a topical. Everything we do is topical for, for Papa's Apothecary. Okay. Um, I have trouble staying asleep, uh, so this is a, a product that, that I formulated for myself to, to help me. Um, uh, my wife is a nurse and has trouble shutting things down and going to sleep, so this, it helps her. It's something that we um, need, I guess. We, it's something that we were, were after. Um, we have a face care line, so we have a face wash. Everyone likes to wash their face. We have toner to help keep things uh, nice, and then uh, a couple different, uh, oil, more, excuse me, oil moisturizers. Okay. Um, we do something for aches and pains. So, uh, you know, I'll get sore muscles. I'll work in the yard and have a, a sore back. So we have got something for that. Okay. Um, yeah. So everything is is designed based on things that we see a, a need for, I guess. Okay. Got it. And when you guys start, when you start uh, formulating and creating something, um, so say for like the, the back, for, for the pains and aches and stuff, where do you start with that? Um, do you have a general idea of what you're going to be using or how do you kind of come up with that? So I rely on my, on my education, right, to know mm-hmm. what, um, what are the actions I want? What am I trying to, to solve here? And if, if pain relief is is what we want, then I know that there is this class of herbs and essential oils that have analgesic effects. And so from there, I can say, what, um, what are the most potent? What do I get the most out of? And then what do they smell like? Yeah. Because things have, <laughs> have a bunch of funky different smells. Yes. <laughs> um, and so taking into consideration the different actions that we want, um, the potency levels, and the scent are really, I guess, the main the main things. Okay. And are there, um, whether it's essential oils or certain herbs or things that are really just there as a, um, like maybe are more 
not sugar pill, but like they're more like marketed and stuff like that versus some of the ones that are maybe lesser known that are really good at certain things? Well, um, I don't know. That's kind of hard to answer. I don't, I don't follow a lot of the different marketing okay. for um, specific companies that would be pushing their, their oils or their herbs. Right. Um, so we just use what we feel works best and has the best smell. Um, I don't rely on other companies. What they're doing it doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't um, affect what we're doing, I guess. Yeah. 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 Okay. Very cool. And then um, are there certain like, um, like, are there herbs or like, or maybe essential oils that like you think that most people should have access to as far as like in their, you know, in their medicine cabinet, a lot of people have ibuprofen, Tylenol, sure. things like that. Are there things like the herbal version of that that you would suggest? So having lavender essential oil is super, um, gentle. So mm-hmm. you can apply lavender to the skin by itself without diluting it. That can help with, um, you know, bug bites, you get scrapes things like that. Lavender can be nice. But really, um, I think educating ourselves on the, the herbs and what a lot of people consider weeds that are growing in our, <laughs> our yards mm-hmm. um, could be more beneficial than, than filling up your, your medicine cabinet. Um, I mean, for instance, the bees have been going a little crazy lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's plantain everywhere. So if you get a bee sting, you don't need to go to the store. You don't need to, to have a, a bee sting kit unless you've got some allergy. You can find something in your yard yeah. that will, that will um, reduce the pain, the swelling, uh, take the bee sting away. Yeah, and um, my wife actually mixed up that with some, uh, I think we have uh, red clay, I forget the full name of it, but that with the plantain, and we've, we mixed it together, and then she had it in our fridge during the season, and um, we've had multiple bee stings because our kids run around with their bare feet and mm-hmm. step on the bee and get stung. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've done it on at least three of our four kids and um like it's amazing like we we just wrap it in it and by the next day we take it off it's like the swelling's gone there's no um and so yeah it's it's really neat to be able to see these things kind of play out yeah i mean just that kind of that little little bit of information i had no idea i had no idea what was growing in my yard my wife Um, (laughs) yeah um but just just um that type of thing is easy to easy to access uh it's easy to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's really cool. Um, so how is the, how did, the, looking back at like this year, 20, 2020, how did the markets and everything go for you this year, especially it being such a weird year? So the beginning of the market season was, was kind of scary because no um, vendors other than like farmers were allowed to start, start vending in, in almost all the markets. Yeah. And so we didn't know if we were going to be able to, <laughs> to set up. Uh, we still have our online s- store. Mm-hmm. Uh, we turned off shipping charges to make it super easy for people to order, not paying extra because, you know, if they don't want to leave their house or can't leave their house, right. we want them to be able to get products if they want them. Yeah. Um, but as markets came on board, like I said, we did more markets this year than, than any other year. Yeah. So we've had a, a bigger year than we've ever had before but I work more, way more hours, <laughs> um, but I like doing it. Right. So it's yeah. not like, um, it's not a grumpy thing to go to work. It's right. a, this is my business. I'm trying to grow it. Nobody else is going to go out here and do this the way that, that I want it done. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, um, one, 
when I was trying to schedule a time for you on the podcast, I was like, well, I'll just do a quick search of like seeing where what his schedule looks like. And then I pulled it up and you were like, all right, here's my market schedule. And yeah, it was five or six markets. And I was like, for anyone who hasn't done a farmer's market before, they're like a very long day and it's exhausting and it's a ton (laughs) of work to set up, stay there for the whole time period. And then you've got to break down and then drive back and unload and clean. And like, it's a lot of work. And I was like, he's doing this day after day after day. I was like, that is exhausting. So, you know, it is, but, um, most people go to work, if they have a full-time job, it's five days a week. Yep. And most, I think a majority start earlier, right? They have to get up early. They have to sit in traffic, which yep. for markets, you avoid most of the traffic. You're not going during during rush hour. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing that would, <laughs> would grind on me would be, um, would be sitting in traffic. Yeah. So, yeah. That's very cool. Um, and then uh, moving forward then, what do you kind of see the future of Papa's Apothecary? Well, I hope that we continue to grow on the on the pace that we've been growing. Um, I don't know that I want to do six markets a week every week <laughs> for uh, for years. Uh, I just hired a marketing hired a marketing company, and so we're doing a um, a couple different promotion things to see how online sales can grow. Yeah. Um, and we'll just see what happens. I have I have aspirations to do some uh, retail. And I think that our labels are just now to where I'm ready to to uh, pursue that. Yeah. Um, pursue that, I guess, not aggressively, but seriously. Right. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. We'll do markets. We'll do some retail. We'll keep our online store going. Um, developing products. I want to I flesh out the product line a little bit, but I also want to be careful not to have just too many things to where it's not um, manageable. Right. I want to do some things really, really well and, and grow on that, not have a bunch of scattered, scattered products. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And as far as like retail side, are you thinking like you would eventually want to have your own space or, or mainly just selling in other places? No, I think, um, wholesale, wholesale lines. I don't have a, um, a desire to open a a brick and mortar and to deal with all of the, um, I guess, right, right. All the challenges (laughs) that come with, with, with that. Very cool. <laughs> All right. Well, I like to end every podcast with some rapid fire questions. Uh, so the first one is: Do you, uh, what purchase of a hundred dollars or less have you enjoyed the most over the last three months? So you sent me this, and I <laughs> I've had a hard time uh, thinking of something that uh, I've really enjoyed. I have a I like beanies. I wear beanie hats, so I've I've a couple different beanies that I that I've bought. Um, the only other thing that I really purchased that I really like is, uh, it's a pull-up bar with a dips rack on it. And that was a little over a hundred dollars. So it's out of the the scope here, but, um, with the gym shutting and the hot yoga studios, everything's, I guess they're reopening now, but, um, having that at my house was a good, good way to keep things in shape. Yeah. Very cool. Um, pretend you have a friend coming from out of town. What would the first day look like here? Uh, so <laughs> I am a very, uh, I'm a homebody. I like to stay home. I like to relax, barbecue. Nice. Uh, so I would just have someone come over. We'd hang out. We, we grill, uh, we show them the island some, we'd go down to Cama beach. Um, nice. yeah. you know, some of the local stuff, maybe, uh, we'd come down here and get a coffee at the, the mm-hmm. commons here. Um, but I don't think it'd be anything too, uh, too extravagant. Yep. Very cool. 
Um, who is an interesting or fascinating person in this community that I should interview next? So I did a, um, I gave a talk to the Camino Island Culinary Arts Society. Oh, okay. And Jeff Lemkin is the guy that I um, interacted with. I don't know if he's in charge of that society, but that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. And I think they um, have a really cool program that um, I'm not sure what they're doing now, but they did have their monthly meetings and, yeah. and people would, they'd have um, contests, I guess, over their baking contests yeah. and stuff. But it was very relaxed. It was a very uh, fun type of environment. So he might be, might be a good person. Nice. Was that uh, the one up at the Camino Center? Yeah. yeah nice. Yeah. Very cool. All right. And lastly, if you could have a message on a billboard on Camino Island, right as they're driving up the island, what would that say? Vote. Yep. I think we're in that season that everyone's, it's important. Yeah, for sure. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. This has uh, been interesting and fun. Yeah. (laughs) All right. And Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Kevin Gilbert for joining me on the podcast today. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us be found by other Islanders like yourself. And for more information on this episode, you can go to tomatocommons.com slash EP69. That's tomatocommons.com slash EP69. Thanks for listening and see you next time.